What's up, Misfits? Don't be alarmed by this week's podcast title. We are talking about the C word, but so much more. Comedian, actress, dancer, entrepreneur, Carrie Cottett joins us this week to talk about her experiences in business and also this happened after the podcast. She created Kwanzaa Crawl, which is happening Monday, December 26th. Go to KwanzaaCrawl.com to visit some hot black-owned bars in Brooklyn. Support your own. We are taking it over in 2017. You're listening to Social Misfit. Gentlemen, my guest today is comedian and actress and writer Carrie Cottett. Hi. Hi. Get up on that mic. Hello, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carrie and I are both comedians, and I, I'm trying to figure out when I first met you. It, I mean, we've known each other for a while, like in in the biz, but I don't remember the first. Me neither. Moment. How weird is that? We just like just always kind of just seeing each other. It's That's really so random. weird. I usually remember when I met people, but it's I really I don't. don't remember. I think you just, you know, what I think what it is is that when you came out, you've been doing comedy what five years, six, mm, four, three and a half, four. three and a half. Okay, yeah. I've been doing it six years, and I think when you came around, you just were there. It was never like, "Hi, I'm so and so." Yeah, nice to meet you. You just was places. And like I was, I was acting like I was already supposed to be there. Yeah, which is, <laughs> I think is a good thing. I think it's a good thing to do. Yeah, I, see, me, I came, I came into comedy coming from a professional. Like I was a journalist, and so I would walk around, be like, "Hi, my name is Chloe. Nice to meet you." And then like all my friends who were they hated me at first that became <laughs> friends they were like stop networking stop shaking hands this is not a real job like this is a comedy life like really? just ease up relax chill yeah so i kind of i kind of was green so i think people were like oh yeah she's new but you didn't have that well i always feel like people think i'm rude because i'm that's just me i don't know why mm-hmm. i just never introduce myself to people i'll just i, I it depends it's oh, very rare I that i just you. like huh? <laughs> I probably you never introduced. I probably never was formally introduced to you. Yeah, I just heard you or saw you somewhere. Yeah, and then it'll be like, oh, you're Chloe, right? And then it'll be something like that. Oh. But like, I'm never like, hi. I'm working on it, but I do feel so awkward. And then I have this thing where I don't introduce everyone to everyone because some people they're not gonna be around that long. So it's not. What so- do you mean, <laughs> like your so like your social circle? Like if I'm hanging out with you and we run into somebody else that person you might not introduce me to because you're like, they're not going to be around. Yeah, they might not be that significant. I might not know their name. Uh, well, no, that's the way you suppo- you're supposed to do that to get people's names. I've tried that. It doesn't work. No, it does work. It I'm really me. awkward. No. I'd be like, this is my friend Chloe, and this yeah. is... No, introduce like, yourself, girl. You'd be like, hey, Chloe. No, you'd be like, oh, no, you, this is how you do it. Okay. If you're with someone, if you and I are hanging out and we know each other, and, you, and somebody that you don't know comes up, uh-huh. you say... Hey, let me, you say to that person, hey, let me introduce you to my friend Chloe. And then I say, hi, I'm Chloe. And then that person says their name. Oh, I always start with the person that I know and then I fall off. No, you start with the person that you know. And then that person should. Hey, let me introduce you to my homegirl, Chloe. Chloe. And then you say, hi, and I say, hi, I'm Chloe. And then they say, hi, I'm Tim. You know why I wouldn't think to do that? Because that person is the one that came into the situation. No. So I'll be like, yeah, Chloe, this is my friend. And this is why they're interrupting us. But that is, I'm going to try it. Please do. Thank you. I need like life skills. They don't teach you you this. No, you got to, you got to do that that way. You got to be really slick with it. You got to, listen, honey. (laughs) Well, the thing is the holiday season is coming up. So you're going to be going to a lot of like comedy club holiday parties and that is your time to especially if you're there with like your manager you can say hey this is my manager so-and-so and then the manager would say hi i'm so and then that that's how you okay thank you uh please read your social post <laughs> <laughs> oh you put me up on game yes um here's a here's the thing i'm sure i shouldn't say out loud but that's my entire career so here goes if you're a woman and you find yourself in a position of power please Please, please don't be a cunt about it. Mm. I stand by it, child. Uh oh, there's no, there's, it's so powerful. There's no hashtags. <laughs> <laughs> Message. Uh, two hundred and eleven likes. So let's discuss this. Um, was this a particular incident that led you to write this post, or you just felt like in general women traditionally become very arms distance away from other women when they received when they received their quote unquote status? 
it was something really in general that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, especially we're in comedy too, so there's a lot of women that are in positions of power and just going back into like, when I used to work for people and I actually had a traditional job, it's like sometimes you see women and you know, you have people that are like, you know, it's only because they're assertive. If there were a man, mm. no, but we know when a woman is being a cunt, you yeah. know, it's not like that. I think they power trip a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes they get off on being the one that has the, the keys and, and they like to say no or, you know, I was, <laughs> you have to drop a dime nah, um, no just give us just you don't have to give particulars but i do feel like I, I understand what you're saying but do you think and i've experienced this in comedy and professionally do you think that the women who are that way are that way because they don't want to look as look as though they're just giving women a pass because they fought so hard because you, you think that they're afraid of like their male counterparts being like, look, she just opened the doors for all of these women just because they all get their periods and that's fucked up. Well, I don't know that they're only that way with women. Mm-hmm. I think that I see them sometimes acting that way with men. So I don't know that it's like them trying to not show favoritism towards women because they're cunts to men too. I, yeah. think, I think sometimes when people fight for equality, they don't really want to be equal. They just want to be the new oppressors. You know, mm-hmm. they want to be the new white men. They want to be the new people to be like, nah, now, now, now that I'm in charge, now you're going to have to pay. And it's very like, I'm it's payback. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes there's an underlying sentiment of, you know, you know, that kid that's been picked on their whole lives. And yeah. now when they on, now they want to shit on everybody and make everybody pay for it. It's kind of that thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a little bit of that to it. Where like I've been in situations, especially now where everyone's a feminist. To me, there there are some genuine um, people and genuine bonds, but there is a false sense of sisterhood yeah. that I feel happens sometimes. And people want to pretend like they're looking out for you, or they want to pretend that they're going to do something, and they really don't. Like they're not really being helpful. They withhold information. They're real funny about contacts. They want to put themselves in the situation so that they know that so that they can take credit for whatever's going on. There's just a lot of like sneaky manipulative things that happen and people aren't as genuine mm-hmm. and whether they're threatened or whether it's insecurity or whether it's just them wanting to assert themselves as a position of power, mm. but it's not like, it's not genuine a lot of sometimes. Did you, did you, did you experience this before you got into comedy? Cause you were a choreographer. You, you know, you've done acting What? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, th- what I noticed is that, Women aren't taught how to work in groups. Like, as a young girl growing up, Mm -hmm. we don't play team sports. The boys are playing sports together. They're playing freeze tag. They're doing doing things. They're building. Dudes get to work on teamwork a lot earlier. Women, we get to work on hating each other and being competitive. Who could jump double dutch the fastest? Or Mm -hmm. look at her. Or we got to... Whose hair is longer? Who's dressed better? Yeah. Like, superficial things. So, we don't learn teamwork mm-hmm. and all of that stuff so i've been a choreographer of a dance team i was horrific too so i i've also been the person that's power tripping too on some nah my way is the best way yeah um i never i never could do like group dancing yeah no i was i should uh-uh i've, t- I've done i've been i've taken like a class or two at like broadway dance company just for fun but i would try to be in the back Uh-oh. yeah you know it's weird because i don't i don't i would tell you this i i, I think because i was always like tall um, I never really got a hundred percent comfortable with my actual physical body until more recently. So I just would never, but like you, like Carrie busts out into dance anywhere <laughs> and I could never be that person to just like bust out into dance. I remember one time I was drunk and it was like a Cinco de Mayo party. This is years ago. And I was in some bar and I was dancing and then I looked over and I just saw a, like a person and I looked and I was like, Ooh, why the person cannot dance and it was me in the mirror oh no oh no i mean i can dance i can dance but i can't like dance dance you know what i'm saying like i'm not the type of person that people would like up form a circle chloe's getting it in i would just do my nice little two-step yeah so you probably be cussing me out like get out of my class yeah i'd be like well no not i had like a um we used to be like a competitive dance group so like i used to want to practice all the time like saturdays i'm like what do you mean how do you see how do you choreograph a group because like is it like writing music where you write down the notes to the song and the hook and the verse and the bridge 
how, in your mind, how do you choreograph and remember the steps? Like, do you write it down? Do you videotape it? Do you just... Um, it depends. I remember I used to make up a lot of dances on the subway on my way to school. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'd be listening to the music and I'll be mentally in my head thinking of the moves and then like I'll block it out and then you keep doing it over and over and the repetition kind of, kind of puts it into your head so that you don't forget. But when it got really complicated, I would kind of like write it down. Yeah. Like when I taught dance classes, I used to write it down. Like I'd make so up names. So what do you, oh, you I was going to say, yeah. like, are they like traditional names? Like, Some of them have traditional names. So if so I'll be like four counts of the butterfly into uh-huh. two counts of this and then swoop arm. But that was only <laughs> when I taught classes because it was more robotic. But like when I was choreographing like competitive stuff, mm-hmm. like my soul was in it. Like I was, I never forgot anything. So, wow. Because yeah. that's what I think about. Like every year Alvin Ailey does their annual like show run and they mm-hmm. do these dances from like 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do they re- how do you teach this dance from 40 years ago? Do you remember? Is it written down? Like it's like it's not like a play where you can read lines and be like, OK, Macbeth says this on page 17. Yeah. Like how do you. It's hard to forget choreography. Like I link up with some of my friends that I used to dance with in college and Mm -hmm. they'll come to like my birthday parties. And one of the songs that we danced to back then would come on and we'll all bust into it. There's so many, like I still remember so many dance routines. Really? Yeah. You just don't forget it. I remember the Aunt Viv choreography from Fresh Prince. (laughs) I remember doing that. Okay. So you were a dictator dance uh, choreographer, team captain. I would say that. I'm sure they would agree. If I'm looking back and being honest, I probably was not the funnest. So so now so now you are the woman that you wrote about. What was your mindset when you were in control of that group? Um, I'm not the woman that I wrote about in that my motivation was different. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. So right? what was your so, motivation? Oh, so for for me, I'm I just didn't know how to communicate properly to people and mm-hmm. I I'm kind of like a they call me like a like a like a Nazi. Like I'm a perfectionist. Like okay. I want to go out. So I feel like I was just uh, pushing people harder than like we were just doing it for fun. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one really that wanted to be a professional it, yeah. dancer. So I'm like, dance is life. Dance is life. And then like, nah, dance is cool. Dance is a hobby. And that. So so really, it was just like a disconnect that mm-hmm. we had different um, priorities. And also, I just don't know how to speak to people. So I would just okay. be very blunt. Well, Oh, but that's different. You know I was helpful to, speak to people. They don't teach you that. <laughs> okay, so so are you mean everybody or just women? They don't teach women how to te- talk to people. Oh no, everyone. No one knows how to communicate. Okay. We're all learning how to do this, <laughs> and then social media is not making it easier. So like, <laughs> well, I want to go back to what you said about women not knowing how to play team sports. It's interesting because I play team sports. I play basketball. And I and I encourage anybody who has young girls to put them in a team sport mm-hmm. because it pretty much changed my life. And I and it wasn't from an athletic standpoint, but like socially and self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have a neighbor who um, has two young girls and I'm like I tell him, like, you have to put them in basketball. And I actually got him in touch with the program, the same one that I did when I was their age. And I was like, you have to do it. And he was like, well, one likes it and the other one doesn't. I was like, I don't care. She has to go. Like, I, these aren't my kids. And I'm like, <laughs> they both got to go every weekend because they need that support of other young girls who don't know what's going on whose bodies are changing who may have low self-esteem who are finding that they're capable physically and mentally of pushing themselves and doing something that they never thought they would be able to do Mm -hmm. and basketball and team sports does that also like it keeps you out of the streets it keeps you out of like just being in the mess of dealing with boys or girls depending on what you're interested well if you're dealing with girls you in heaven (laughs) because it's all girls but um there's a discipline that you have to instill in yourself to meet your goals every single day. Yep. And then on top of that, it just kept me out of trouble. You know, like I played basketball. I started late. So I started my freshman year of high school, which is hella late. Um, but after school, I had something to do. I would go home, do my homework. I had to get up the next day, go to school, have practice. So I had a repetition. I had a routine. On the weekends, I played basketball all day long. Summertime, basketball, seven days a week. I mean, I, I talked to my mom about it. I'm like, Mom, you realize that, like, for four years, I would go play basketball every day during the summer. Like, you would just give me car fare 
train fare and then I'll be going from like 9 a.m. to like 8 p.m. at night. I didn't have a cell phone. I'd be anywhere from like Harlem to the Bronx, back to Queens, back to Brooklyn in one day. Like all I had was a big bottle of ice water that I put in the freezer so I wouldn't dehydrate. That's dope though. I feel like that's, and, like, that's the way a childhood I, should be. I don't think I had food. <laughs> I don't remember having sandwiches. You don't eat food. No, we just was out there just eating <laughs> snacks and playing basketball all day. But it definitely helped me so much. And I look at the girls that I play basketball with and now – you know, doctors, lawyers, professors, like, you know, just ama- engineers, just amazing people, newscasters, like just amazing group of women who all came from a place of like knowing early that we could do anything that we pushed ourselves to do. And I think a lot of young women don't receive that message at all, really at all. And I think that, you know, that contributes to your ad, your, your post about like yeah. women having power trips. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh, I have a chance to be heard and make a decision. I'm going ham. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I had leadership, leadership roles and I don't think, I don't think I was a cunt, but I do think that I pushed people. I actually pushed, I was actually meaner to the guys that I was in control of than I was the girls. Cause I would call them out on their bullshit and they hated it. They hated it. I would cuss people out over AOL instant message. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what everybody had yeah. instant messages in the office. And I worked in journalism. And so there would be times when people like owed me, like owed me our articles and their stuff would be late. And instead of me being like, Hey, can you please send in your work? I'd be like, on instant message, like yo fam, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Where the fuck is my article at? Yeah. Oh, I didn't give a shit. I didn't care. That is hilarious. And they'd be like, why are you acting like that? And I, oh, the worst is like, you knew, you knew you were getting cussed out. If I started it with like, yo, playboy. That was, <laughs> <laughs> I would think, I wish I saved some of those conversations, but the, and the guys would be so mad. They would be so mad. Cause it's like, you can't play me. Like just bring your shit in. Right. And I don't want to hear all that other stuff. I don't want to hear, oh, you had to take a trip and do this. No, like where's the work at? I'm paying you for this and turn it in. And with the girls, I would be like, all right, you know, you fucking up. So let's have a conversation about it and get your shit together. How come you were so harsh on the dudes? Um, because it was a level, well, I worked in, at this time I was working for a hip hop publication. And so there was a level of arrogance that the, I felt like the guys had, like whatever little bullshit title they had, they was like, I've made it, I'm chilling. And they also kind of like used their position to like get free shit. So like if they were like assistant editor, mm-hmm. next thing you know, where's your, where's your article at? Oh, I had to go to the listening party for Jeezy. No, you didn't have to go. Right. You were just trying, you're trying to leverage it to make yourself more visible. Whereas the women would be the ones working to eight, nine, 10 o'clock getting their shit done while the guys are like, Oh, I just got to go down, you know, to meet Pharrell. And just, I was like, so no, get like, do your work, do your work and then go hang out right. and play. But you trying to be a playboy. You trying to live this lavish lifestyle. You want to floss. And you only making thirty nine thousand dollars a year, so bring your ass Ooh. back and do your work. <laughs> and then, and it's and the then, work that enables you to go and play that way. Yeah. So you need to be able to. Yeah, and then I, and it was also like there was also favoritisms. I think there were like some of my superior. So I was the highest ranking female at this company, and so the men above me were always pulling up the guys to be like you're like me you're out you remind me of myself when i was your age right. so come with me to this lunch for two hours and then the women would be in there slaving away you know and then i would have to call them out and then you know encourage the women to be like hey we can get this shit done let's do this i'm not trying to be here all night you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i feel like i was the one that kind of, that was trying to balance the you know subliminal misogyny in the office so i would cuss they asses out and they were like, oh, here she goes. Yep. So so you were making them pay. Yeah, I guess I was mm-hmm. making them pay. Yeah, I guess I was. And I would call, I mean, you just, I knew that, I knew that I had a position to do that because I was so invaluable right. that I could say that shit and they couldn't get rid of me. Yeah, so I think some of that is what happens too. Yeah. That we're like, you know, we made it here and in spite of everything else, in spite of the fact that we face so much adversity, by the time a woman gets to a position of leadership, she's worked so hard to get there. And it's like, nah, because you do have people that are less qualified than you, yeah. flexing on you, trying to talk to you all mm-hmm. crazy. And sometimes you take it out on everybody. Like, you know what? I didn't like the way that this person dealt with me, so I'm never going to let somebody deal with me like this. And they're going to know who I am yeah. each and every time. Yeah. So there's so many, there's so many levels to it. There is so many levels to it. And it's interesting because I never really thought about the way I treated people. I think I was a good boss. I, I think I was, a, I mean, I should probably call up some people. And ask them. <laughs> I was a good boss, but I just, 
I just didn't play that game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't play. I like I, if I saw something that was unfair, I would talk. I would talk to somebody about it and be like, "This this shit ain't right." Like when I found out, like the guys were making way more than the girls, I would be like, "Look, this is some bullshit." And I would tell them. I would go to the girls and be like, "Listen, you probably should look for another job because mm. they don't respect you here, and you know you should do something about it." And they'd be like, "Oh, thank you so much." Only because I wish somebody had done it for me. I wish some. I wish somebody when it comes to women in power. Um, and that woman who has that position, I wish women taught me when you talk about like, we don't know how to play in teams. I think sports helped me do that. Mm -hmm. But I think when it comes to business, I wish somebody, I wish, I wish more women taught other women how to negotiate. Right. Because I don't think we know how to uh, negotiate. Like I just had a deal, not a deal, but I just had an assignment and they asked me what my day rate was. And I told them. And as soon as I said it, I was like, fuck, I should ask for like $200 more. Probably even more than that. Yeah. And so, and so because I think, I think women, we try to talk ourselves out of needing abundance. Women operate in just enough. Like I, this is just enough. This is all I'm fine here. This is just enough. This is all I need. Because we are made to feel guilty if we have an abundance of something. Do you, would you, would you, how do you think about that? I never really thought about that before. I think that could be true. Like, I think you have a point. I, I, I wonder if part of that is also that we are just taught to feel guilty if we ask for what we want Mm -hmm. so maybe not even necessarily in abundance but just for what we want on a basic level like we can't even ask for somebody to leave us alone without feeling like without going into that timid voice like oh could you i'm sorry i would just like to just have my coffee if that's all right if you could not talk to me you know so i think we are just taught to not be assertive Mm -hmm. and if we do then we got to feel bad about it yeah. And we always have to cater to everyone else's feelings and how we make somebody feel. Because the minute we pull some dude up or tell somebody something is, why are you acting like that? Because I feel and, like it. And they put it right back <laughs> on you and then you got to be like, but I, and I was like, no, why did you behave that way? Yeah. Yeah. Guys aren't, guys, especially in those situations, men are not uh, accustomed to being called out. I was walking by the train station and this guy was like talking to me, but I wasn't listening to him. And then when I walked by him, he like, he touched my arm and mm-hmm. I turned around and I was like yo why the fuck did you just touch me he was like I didn't touch you and I was like yes you did like I wanted to I was so close to punching him in the face but I had somewhere to be <laughs> like you're so lucky that I was like running kind of late for something but it's just like who what makes you think that you could do that to me and most women will be like oh my, I don't know and just like scamper off and it's like no I'm about to cock you in the jaw right yep. now oh my gosh I remember one time I was um I used to work uh, I forgot where it was, but you know, there's always those bagel guys or whatever on the corner, mm-hmm. the little silver thing. Mm-hmm. And you he, mean those those uh, portable toilets? Because that's all they are, right? I, so I, I, just, I don't buy shit from any man trapped in. A, in I know a it's so gross. Silver box on it, the corner. It's very crazy. It's it's ratch. <laughs> I'll admit it's ratch. But I went to go get my coffee in the morning. So I, I used to go, and he was, and he would like talk about my lips and be like, "Yeah, you look beautiful." Mm. And I remember one day he was like, "So that'll be five dollars." I was like, "Nah, you're good." and he's like what do you mean i was like i asked for a bow tie and a coffee i didn't ask for sexual harassment so no (laughs) he's like no but this is a business and i was like well you should have been professional then now it's a business no i took and you know he can't come out his little stand what are you going to so i took it and that was it and the next day i came back i was like good morning and he said good morning and that was it have a nice day i said have a nice day and that was it yeah, you, you're gonna pay for it. I tried that with like a dollar van driver. Didn't work as oh, well. No, it got no, very no, crazy. No, 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 it got no. very crazy. Mm-mm, mm-mm, yeah, you can't drive with everybody, child. Listen, honey, it no. Got, it went real crazy. You just took me back to a place. Okay, so if you are not from New York City, Carrie and I are both native New Yorkers. If you're not from New York City, you have not had the pleasure or the horror of ever riding on a dollar van, which are not even dollars anymore. No, but they're, now they're two dollars. Okay, so there, so so there are these rogue bandits of van drivers like 12 passenger vans that will take you from the train station to wherever you like to other destinated um, predestined stops that aren't covered by mass transit in new york city Mm -hmm. but when you get in you are at the whim of the driver Uh you have no control you cannot it's not uber this is pre-uber oh no you can't request the music to be turned down you can't even really pick your own seat. You can't put he, a seatbelt on. They, and they tell you, you got to close the door. You got to open the door. <laughs> the door. <laughs> 
you can't ask too many questions if you don't know where you're going you just gonna be lost you gotta shout your stop out and hope they hear you yup and you gotta ask the other pa- you gotta ask the other passengers to pass your money up yep. and hope it oh make it to the my. front listen oh i love brooklyn <laughs> i love brooklyn these are the things i'm gonna miss i have so many stories from being in dollar vans like i used to take them every single day there's I, tvs in the headrest I you can't. might die you might get pulled over i remember my first dollar van, my dollar van i was in queens my cousin lived out in like south side jamaica queens. jamaica yeah so i had to take the j train to the last stop mm-hmm. and then she was like just take the dollar van and i was like what is that i might have been like maybe 13 14 and i i was like that that white lady that ends up in a rap video who's holding her purse that was me the whole time just like clutching my pearls like how do i do this because they don't they don't teach you it's like they don't teach you the order of how to get in a dollar van you know nobody tells you the decorum the etiquette there's no decorum you just get in they smash you in there <laughs> see and it's always see the thing is the trick is you got to get the front passenger seat i always got the front passenger <laughs> but that's when you get sexually harassed when you be Damn. right up front oh yeah but the you, time but you know what though i you if you sitting in the back you don't hear it because the music's too loud so he could be saying a whole bunch of crazy shit to you in the front you don't hear it you just hear the no, music. no no they make sure they lean over so where you're going mommy where you're going you have a boyfriend why you're so quiet because i don't know you and i'm just trying to get to church avenue real quick but the arrogance <laughs> of a man what makes you think i'm gonna date a dollar van driver girl they be getting so above their station so ab- i'm going to work sir do you understand where you're dropping me to it's 9 a.m i'm going to the train station because i have a job they don't i don't but that's <laughs> but that is the ego of a man though that's the ego of a man to be like i'm driving a dollar van and i'm hitting on this woman who i see is actually going but to he work. could be a nice guy just because he's Carrie, the job. Carrie, but would just you, be- would you, Carrie, 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 would you date a dollar van driver? What if he owned the dollar van? <laughs> I wouldn't date him. No, real talk. I wouldn't date him if he was a dollar van driver while I met him. If I met him someplace else and he happened to be a dollar van driver, I would be like, tell me more. Like, what else? That's why I see that's the problem with no, the black woman. No, and that's no, why no, he's no, single. Because no, 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 you don't know no, a good man. No, Chloe. no, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. This is 2016. This is not 1969, okay? Yeah, but you like you never know. People are more Karen, than meet the eye. It's true. Karen, like, look. Karen, you know well, you're not dating no dollar van driver. Would you date a bouncer? No, no, I would not date a bouncer. Only because I know that lifestyle. There's certain not life, the same height. There's certain there's certain career paths that I would not date. A bouncer, a personal trainer, a barber. They all a barber? get way too much pussy. A barber? They get way too much pussy, way too really? much attention. Yes. A barber? I used to work in a barbershop. Trust me. Trust Holy me. You, shit. Oh, I, I never to, thought about that. I used to work in a barbershop and I and I for legit, there was barbers in there. Like baby mama number one would come at 11. Baby mama number two would come at two. Baby mama three would come at three. The wife would come Where at six. Where they mean all these women? The barbershop. What are they? Do? What are the women doing? They the bar- coming with in their with their kids, or they walking by in the barbershop. The barber sitting out oh, front on a nice day. And that is so funny. There's certain there's certain jobs that men have that attract too much attention and too much women. And I'm not saying it from an insecure place. I'm saying it from like it, it's problematic. It's just messy. It's messy. Bouncers get way too much attention. They do. Yeah, exactly. Too much. So. I would not date a dollar van driver or a bouncer. <laughs> I don't know how much attention dollar van drivers get. I'm just saying. It's not, <laughs> it's not the lifestyle that I want. I think the reason I ask is because, you know, I I clearly am dating a guy that bounced, but it, he was more than meets the eye. And I was happy that I didn't write him off on some, oh, you just a bouncer. Because what I didn't know was he owned that bouncing company. What I didn't know was he was super ambitious and owned a lot of different he has a whole bunch of different ventures and he's very entrepreneurial and so you know yeah. I, and he's like one of the 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 best people that i know that mm-hmm. i've ever met and i'm like if i if only i had written him off and been like oh you just a bouncer when he's so much more than yeah that, no i know? agree so what if like donovan the dollar van driver like owned the fleet of dollar van drivers donovan the and- dollar van driver <laughs> No, I understand. No, I understand. If I, I love a good entrepreneur. I love a good entrepreneur. But I'm just saying that that's not that wasn't the question. You asked me a singular. <laughs> would I date a person who does this? Not all that extra shit. No, of course. If you are an enterprising person, of course I will support your business and help you out and give you. What you if know, your business is dollar van driving? If he owned a fleet of dollar vans, that's a different conversation. That's yeah, a different. You conversation. just can't meet him while he's driving the van. You got to meet him like. 
in a mutual place. You know what's so funny? <laughs> Let me tell you. So last night I came home and um, I was watching TV and I caught the tail end of How to Marry a Millionaire, which is a movie mm-hmm. from like 1939 with, with Marilyn oh. Monroe, Lauren, I think it's Lauren Bacall, not Lauren Bacall. That's, okay. I'm it was Marilyn, about- Mar- Marilyn Monroe was in it, but it's a movie and it's a classic movie and mm-hmm. it's about three gorgeous white women mm-hmm. who are poor as fuck mm-hmm. living in new york city and their goal is to marry a millionaire so they hatched this whole big plan mm-hmm. they, they they um they rent a, like a really beautiful apartment they don't have no furniture <laughs> <laughs> they are basically like models and like actresses aspiring models and actresses and they're like we're just going to play the role of like a sophisticated lady be where these millionaires are so we can marry a millionaire mm-hmm. and so they go on all of sounds these like dates. a really good plan so far yeah so they go on all <laughs> of these dates and they meet all of these millionaire men and you know the twist is they all eventually fall in love with men who have no money Except for one, she she falls in love with this guy who she thinks is like a gas a gas attendant, like uh they call him a uh, a gas jockey, a pump jockey, or something like that. She, she thinks she's falling in love with a guy who literally just pumps gas for a living. Uh huh. The other woman, Marilyn Monroe, falls in love with this guy who has money, but he's like on the run because he got into some sticky situations. So like they're like going into hiding, and then the third woman falls in love with a forest ranger who just like lives on this big plot of land and like make sure the fires don't kill the trees. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, <laughs> at the end, um, the main, I can't remember who it is, but I, I want to say Lauren Bacall. Um, she falls for this older white guy. She's like, I'm not really in love with him, but he's a millionaire. He has a lot of money. And mm-hmm. so on her wedding day, since he's older than her, he was like, listen, I can tell you don't really want to marry me. So you should go for the person that you really love. Who do you love? And she was like, he pumps gas. And so he knows that the guy she's in love with actually is like the heir to an oil tycoon family wow. and is a gazillionaire. But she doesn't know. And, be, and he and the gazillionaire didn't want her to know because he wanted to see if she really fell in love with him. Right. So at the end, all three couples end up together. So she ends up falling for the guy who she doesn't know until. And so they eventually, you know, in movies back then, they be skipping parts. So, like, <laughs> so they go from like. They go from like their wedding where she calls it off with the old man to like all three couples eating like burgers at a burger joint. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, look at us, three girls. We wanted millionaires. We got nobodies. Literally, she's like, we got <laughs> nobodies. She was like, you have a forest ranger. You're going into hiding. And I married a gas pump attendant. And he was like, so so she says to all of the guys, like, how much money do you guys have? The forest ranger was like, I got $14 to my name. And then the other guy that's going into hiding, he was like, I got money, buddy. I can't really get it right now. So she says to her new husband, the one that she left the old guy for, uh-huh. she's like, how much money do you have? He was like, oh, about $500 million. She mm-hmm. was like, yeah, right. He was like, no, I got oil in Texas. I got some cattle in this part. My family owns this. My family owns this. And they're like laughing because they're thinking that he's bullshitting. And then he was like to the guy that was making burgers, how much is it? I got the tab. And he was like, oh, no problem. Like, no problem, Tim. And he pulls out this stack of money and puts down a $1,000 bill. And then like all the women faint. And that was <laughs> the end of the movie. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? That's so funny because looks can be deceiving. But I think that now, I don't know, do you, like I asked this question, we had a show the other night, like would you marry for love or would you marry for money? Um, Love. Love? Really? I mean, yeah, but I see, <laughs> I see how if you marry for money, it would last longer. Like, yeah. well, it depends because, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you marry for money and all of a sudden, if it's only his money, and y'all both don't have money and then he's, his shit gets fucked up and yeah. then he ends up killing you in your sleep and you be on like forensic files. <laughs> Don't act like you never seen forensic files. Snapped. Everything. <laughs> everything is ends up with a white guy losing his money or his business, his his lawnmower business is going down and he just kills his whole entire family. I'm like, just tell me. Just we, we, we can go get some welfare. Don't don't you gotta kill me. I don't know. I've well, I've been playing around with the idea of maybe I don't even know if I'm gonna get married. Lies. I don't know. I don't Lies. know if, if I want a huge wedding. I wanna be Lies. with I I don't want an expensive, huge, ridiculous wedding. I know that for a How fact. How do you go from I don't want to get married to I don't want a huge wedding? That means said, you want to get married. I said three things. I said yeah. I've been thinking about I don't know if I want to get married. How long have you been married. in this relationship? Three years. Okay. Wait. Is this on and off? Uh-huh. Okay. It's like. Oh, is this the same guy that we talked about the last time we did the same a podcast? Guy. Okay. Probably. 
Yep. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. All right. So do you see yourself marrying him? I could see myself being with him. Oh, God. You just... What? What do you mumble like? <laughs> yes. Oh, no. I'm giggling. I hate you. I don't want to talk about like boys. Because you like him. I am madly in love with him, but I know that love is like a small part of actually making things work. No, love is what makes you make things work. Without love, you'd be giving up. Love is the underlying electricity that keeps the power on in relationships. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> yeah. But I think people put up with a lot of things because they love somebody yeah. or because of love. So yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that either. No, I think I'm just saying purpose. it makes you work things out. Love is what makes you work. Love is, is what makes you get up and be like, I know this person just irritated my spirit, but I'm going to sit down and tell them how I feel because I love them. If you didn't love him, you just walk out. You'd be a stone cold killer. I'll think about that. No, no, don't go ruining your relationship over some dumb shit I said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go and just You know what? <laughs> no, I'm just saying be you know, be honest with yourself. But you know, we don't gotta talk about a relationship because I mean I don't have one, so I can't talk about one. But um <laughs> back to women being cunts. Um <laughs> <laughs> So what has been some crazy experiences you had in the comedy world that pertains to power hungry women? Um, or like what's, what, what feeling do you get? Like, have you seen, all right. Cause I don't want, I don't want to put you in a position where you feel like you have to like rat on anybody, but do you feel it's more of a community in comedy or is it more of every woman for themselves? It's hard to say cause I'm still pretty new. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who I can say are my friends at yeah. this moment. So I don't want to judge people based on the fact that, you know, I just met them really yeah. two, three years. But the sentiment, so, you know. So I think, I think, I think there's both. I think there's some genuine people and some genuine friendships. And I do believe that I have like fostered some relationships with people that they are supportive and they do care. So some people go, you know, the comedy community doesn't exist. There is no community. Mm. I don't, I don't think that. No, I, don't I think, think there's absolutely a community that supports people and come to come together. But I also think that we're all in this industry together and it is very competitive. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, people can only be so supportive when they want the same things that they're supporting you to get. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. what's, um, who's been the best boss you've ever had in your life? The best boss. I've had so many jobs. I'm sitting here like, that's a trick question. No, it's not. Who's who? Would boss you look back like that? That was a good boss. How many jobs have you had? So many. Okay, so let's but not for, but not for, for long. Not for long. So what was the craziest job you've ever had? Mm, eye rolling go ahead the craziest job i used to so i've had jobs and i've had like gigs and hustles Mm -hmm. the craziest things i've done are things that i've done myself for money because i didn't want to work for anybody else like i've sold nutcrackers not on a train on a train at no at like the park and like events like michael jackson party prospect park so puerto rican day parade is in okay nutcracker is like it's like hooch it's like moonshine it's it's like it's like it's like yeah street liqueur that people put into like these little quarter water yeah it's like jungle juice jungle juice what is actually in a nutcracker see my thing is i never (laughs) it's like when i see somebody selling a nutcracker it's the equivalent of me like seeing that man in like the the bagel yeah i knew you were gonna say that because it's like i don't know where the fuck that shit came from and you could just tell me it's alcohol but i don't mean it's alcohol so what is actually in a nutcracker you can put so many different things in it so you you really don't know what whoever made it put in it there's no real thing so what did you use i put overproof rum um fruit punch like kool-aid mix um some like what what else other liquor i can't even remember how much did you sell them for five and ten dollars i made a killing we made like eight hundred dollars in one day in 2.5 seconds sold out just halloween parade puerto rican parade so that was crazy Mm. Uh, but you can't do you can't get away get away with that not you saying not you personally but we got arrested i wasn't there (laughs) i happened to not be out that day but my girls they got arrested at one parade because they sold to the wrong person 
So that happened. Did you help him with the bail money? Nah. Ooh, girl. I, I wasn't selling that day. I was out. But is it out of business? Aren't y'all business partners? No, not really. So you didn't have nothing to do with that batch. Not, not, not that batch because I wasn't there for the parade. So they, they, I was, I was in Atlanta. Okay. And okay. they made it together and they went out there and I'm like, damn, the one day y'all without me, y'all get caught. Mm. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I still would never buy. Even I wouldn't buy it. No, it is sketchy. Street. And you admitting it, you used yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. But no, I think it's when you were selling it to people in your mind, you'd be like, I can't believe they're buying this shit from me. No, I believed it. <laughs> I see. I, sometimes I've the done The packaging jobs. is good. It's all sealed up nice. Mm-hmm. It's tamper proof. You know, you make it look good. Sometimes I, like, sometimes, even when I do comedy, I'm on stage. Every <laughs> once in a while, I'll be on stage like, I can't believe y'all sitting here listening to me right now. <laughs> like, y'all really want to do this? This is what you want to do with your life? Okay. <laughs> that's so funny that's how i feel about podcasts sometimes i'm like yeah, everyone is listening though i don't think about it that way i don't think about anybody listening and it's i used to get in trouble for it when i was on another podcast I'm like nobody listened to this show but that was my way of being able to be vulnerable and open and frank because mm-hmm. if i was thinking about people listening then i would always constantly edit myself yeah and so i, I feel like it's out there it's out there it's done you know, I'm not going to try and control it. It's organic. And I yeah. think that's why I like doing this podcast because we start with one point and it just goes to so many different things. Yeah. And so everybody's like, well, what would you talk about? And I kind of think this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie, what makes you a social misfit? What makes me a social Ooh, misfit? Oh, girl, you hit me with the white girl voice. Well, I guess. Uh, sidebar um i do that voice when i'm ordering food through drive-thrus really uh, i do that or if i'm if i'm calling like a restaurant to ask like if they're still open i do that i make that voice like hi hi um what time do you close tonight and my i was with my best friend yesterday in the car i was going through the mcdonald's drive-thru i only got oatmeal relaxed i don't eat meat and she was like why are you doing that voice i was like well because one they can hear me clearer through the fucking bullshit intercom because there's no bass in my voice so it, it it's very crystal clear and also just because why like i mean if you were in a drive-thru and you'd be like yeah let me get number four and a five and french fries what else you and a soda give me a soda like now you hear me be like hi guys can i get an oatmeal it just brings some light to your day and then you pull up and be like thank you Yo, thanks bitch thank you <laughs> oh man um what makes me a social misfit yes because i listened to your episode so i know we're all social misfit <laughs> i know that uh, i think i'm a social misfit because i don't fit in anything mm-hmm. i don't i think that the minute you try to put me in a box it surprises people and then they're back at square one like well i thought she was this loud Brooklyn girl that talks with her hands. Why is it that she also knows? I don't, I think people are surprised Mm -hmm. by the, the multifaceted black girls that exist. I think it's either you're, if you, I think you're a loud hood, um, you're an educated black girl who's aggressive. Or I think that you're one that's like white people friendly and you kind of speak like this and you're very just yeah. like non-threatening yeah. and they don't, they don't know that person. So I think I just have a good time being me and fucking with people and just surprising people with the, the, the things that I know and the, the things mm-hmm. that I say and my perspective isn't necessarily the traditional one that you would think, you know, I realized the other day that I'm the only one that I know that does not have a religious family, like on both sides. Really? And I'm Caribbean. Not on both sides, I don't, I, I, we just don't have that. Really? We just don't have that. How fortunate am I for that? That like, is so interesting. <laughs> and you know what's so interesting? Like when I realized that most West Indians, the, they have the most dry ass religions. Like <laughs> I had to go to a ceremony for somebody. He was West Indian. And I'm sitting there like, where... Uh, the tambourines where's the drummer why is there a fucking organist here like where's yeah. the soul like for y'all to be such like colorful soulful people y'all church ceremonies are born as fuck because a lot of it's influenced by like the british so Ugh. a lot of west indian countries kind of pride themselves on speaking the queen's english mm-hmm. and like upholding some of those traditions so it kind of sounds like a white like oh no. Why? Yeah, it's not popping i don't know i never went i went to church um i went to it was a non-denominational church and in times it was actually are you religious 
Um, no, I'm not. I'm, you pause, you stop, you no, looked up. No, <laughs> I, I thought about, like, I was raised, I was raised, um, religious, but even not staunchly religious. Like, my mom was, my mom and grandma were Christian. My dad's not religious. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I say my foundation is more spirituality. Like, mm-hmm. I believe in the yin and yang of life, the right and wrong, treat people well. Like, I'm more of, like, a humanitarian than I am, like, a super Christian. Um, but if somebody came and put a gun to my head and be like, do you believe in Jesus? I would be like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. You know, I wouldn't denounce it to say that I, you know, I wouldn't. But, um, mm-hmm. but I went to this church and I'm, I come, I come from like Negro slave church growing up, you know, hooping and hollering and the pastor sweating bullets and people falling out the Holy ghost and all that stuff. That's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, I went to this church, I, when I was in this church, I was like, where is the soul? There is no spirit here. <laughs> Jesus, are you around me? And so I went to this uh, church, Times Square church and it was non-denominational and this girl in my college, she's like, come to my church. It's so much fun. Come to my church. It's so much fun. And she was black. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll Why go. Why you gave her that voice? Cause she, <laughs> she felt like that. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll come. And it was me and my friend who's from Atlanta and we're sitting there and it was so boring. And then they sang songs. So my, my, when you go to church, you start with song, you start with, you know, the praise and worship team, you start with songs that everybody knows. And then the pastor comes out, says a prayer or, you know, whoever comes out first, the opener comes out first. <laughs> and then the opener tosses to the choir, which is like the feature. And so the feature, do they do like two or three songs? And so that's the part of church I like. I like the praise and worship and, and singing songs. But this church, because it was non-denominational, everybody was mixed. It was like white people, black people, and they kept clapping on the upbeat. No. When I tell you, it took everything in me to be like, this is not right. <laughs> like, it took me a while to register. Like, why does this not feel? This doesn't feel good. Why does this not feel good? And so me and my friend, we're clapping on the upbeat and we're looking at each other like, what? This don't feel right. So I had to stop, like, take a moment and then find a downbeat. And when I started clapping on the downbeat, I was like, oh, yeah, this feels right. This feels right. And everybody's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, no, what is wrong with y'all? Y'all, who claps on the upbeat? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so black people have like this, like, I think we have a, gen- a genetic downbeat meter. <laughs> where we constantly just can find the groove in the downbeat in the bass yeah. and I feel like that is also the things that make us threatening a little bit because well, when, you, when you're trying to be in a white space what do we do we take the bass out of our voice mm-hmm. which is why I'm like can I get it out uh huh hmm I didn't know where you was going with that but you connected it quite nicely <laughs> yeah that's what we do we have we are the bass people of color are the bass of this song that we're currently playing yeah and you need bass put that on a t-shirt and a hashtag and a hashtag somebody gonna do it before me but you know we went to see moonlight have you heard of it of course i heard of it have you seen I it i wish i could know i haven't seen it yet okay i did a, a black friday movie trip because yes. right carrie's very pro-black i'm, so, I'm wearing all black right now she child i'm yeah. so pro-black yeah. Uh, so I'm doing this thing where I just want everybody to support black businesses, especially on Friday, if you could just commit to that. So mm-hmm. I, so Moonlight came out, and this was right after like everybody was yelling about Tyler Perry winning and nobody going to yeah. go see Birth, Birth of a Nation. Nation. So we were, yeah. So I was like, this is a good one. Everyone yeah. can get on board. Let's go see Moonlight. Mm-hmm. So I organized a trip and was like, yo, let's all go see it. 9.30, here's the show. Um, that was the only one that was sold out because it was 30 of us in there deep right so oh, we, it was only 36 in the theater no 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 for my little group it oh, was oh. it was like 35 or 40 of oh, us okay. but it was like two, a 200 seat oh, theater okay, okay, but okay. that was the only one that was sold out mm-hmm. um so we went there and it was all these white people mm. and the only black people were us mm. we all couldn't sit together because there's just so many of us yeah. so it's just like different pockets of group of five or yeah. six but we knew we were all in there together the lights are house lights are on we're all filling in and we're all like hey hey and the people are like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. This is black oh, no, they probably be like, oh, they all know each other. Well, we actually did this the time. The myth is true. <laughs> <laughs> so we start watching the movie, and it's a ser- it's a serious movie, mm-hmm. but there's pockets in there, like with anything, that are funny or yeah. that one can find humor in. And it was so interesting because we, the black people, we laughed at different things. Of course. We laughed. When everybody else would be quiet, and we would all find one moment very funny. Yeah. And so I thought that that was so great i was like look at how we experienced this obviously mm-hmm. there were little moments of just like you know we, we you know people don't like black laughter anyway yeah. so we're in there like snickering yeah and half of us are comics so we're in there whispering to each other like whatever yeah. so we're just having a good time 
And somebody wrote on Vulture, some guy reviewed it, and he he happened to go and see it at our show, Uh-oh. and he said it was a good movie, but it was a bad audience, Ooh. and we ruined his viewing experience. And there Did was you a write line. Back? I just I just one of my friends just showed it to me yesterday, oh, and she was arguing back. with him mm-hmm. on Twitter about it. So I was like, tag me in, coach. Let me see. But there was this line in the movie. Uh, spoiler alert. So it's about those those young black dude that's coming of age and trying yeah. to find figure out his sexuality. So he asks, he has like a drug dealer father figure that sort of like takes him under his wing. Mm-hmm. So he's like seven or eight and he he's sitting down the table and he's like, uh, dad, what's a faggot, right? So then the dad, it's his fake dad. So yeah. he stops for a second and then he, he he's like, you know, that's a word that people use when they make gay people feel bad when they try to when they want to try to make gay people feel bad for being who they are so then he also goes listen even if you gay he said you might be gay but you ain't never gonna be no faggot Mm -hmm. right yeah as i say this to you you're smiling yeah in real time while while he said it we all started laughing like i know that's right yeah mind you there's gay people with us there's Mm -hmm. all this stuff and it was just funny because it's just like a real people don't understand you know what i mean the dude is a gay guy that wrote it. And he was like, I was offended. And they were laughing and mocking gay people. No, that's not and, what it was. And we were callous. And it was inappropriate laughter at par- parts were very serious. No. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as inappropriate laughter. How crazy oh is that? Gosh. How crazy is that? It was so crazy that we came out of that experience like, here's a black movie written by a black man about his black experiences. We're the only black people in the movie theater and you're going to tell me the feelings that it invokes in me are wrong. You're going to tell me that the way we're all collectively responding. That's white privilege. And he Asian. (laughs) Okay, well, white adjacent. (laughs) Right, but it is is this sort of thing where where people are just going so far to police other people and Mm -hmm. like, you can't tell us how to. Please, you got to write back to him. You have to write back to him and publish it and put it, make it an open letter to really? Yeah. Oh hell yes, yeah. you absolutely must. You must because you have to realize that even though we're comedians, our job is to uh, attack con- controversial topics and also to reveal things about ourselves and also to humanize th- situations that other people can't wrap their mind around. So you want to make things like more relatable. That's I feel like that's my goal as a comedian. And so this is an extension of your comedy. Your extension yeah. is to give him a nice letter that reads the fuck out of him, that's humorous, informed, and educated, and snarky and sassy, everything that you are. And one, it uh, tells him, it educates him because there's no one that could address him in the manner that he needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And two, it's a public forum, so it will travel and it will be seen by people who know that you're not one to be fucked with. You better start writing out. You said you're writing, you better today? be writing that letter today. All right, Miss Chloe. And make it an open letter and put it out there on Twitter and Facebook and everything and tag him in it. Dear. An open letter. I hate the idea of open letters. Don't hate him. Do, do I have to call it an open letter? No, you just say, dear, <laughs> um, dear movie what, reviewer yeah. who hates black laughter. Who hates <laughs> black laughter. You you know what's so funny? I, I've been... Uh, talking about this issue of just black laughter because i realized that it really really bothers people like and i know i have a particularly loud laugh so maybe i but (laughs) maybe it's my laugh but i also feel like black laughter offends people or or it makes people self-conscious and i spoke about it one time i think a marina marina franklin's podcast Mm -hmm. and somebody wrote in and yeah check out marina marina franklin amazing comic uh podcast friends like us yep great podcast check it out So So mm -hmm. this uh, white guy from somewhere in middle America wrote in and he was like, you know, that thing about black laughter, it's true. And it, I didn't realize it, but it took me back to a time when I was growing up and I was teased and um, maybe I think a black girl was mean to him. And whenever he hears black people laughing or something, it makes, it feels like he's being laughed at. Mm. And it's like, get the fuck over yourself. Yeah, well, that's because they come from a very, a very self-centered universe where every, they feel everything is about them, you know? And also, they, people don't understand that black people laugh and, and of varying degrees of situations. So if something's uncomfortable, something, like black people, we can, we can joke about slavery. 
But that is our coping mechanism right. for black people and, and also disenfranchised people of color. We laugh at the things that have oppressed us because one, you're laughing at the absurdity that it actually oppressed us. Like the fact that people showed up in Africa with a boat and was like, we're taking some of your people. And it happened for over five, 600 years. And you look at it now like this shit is bananas. You know what I mean? So you have to laugh at the absurdity of life. Mm-hmm. And also, we also laugh at the oversensitivity of people because mm-hmm. we're like, we've been through so much. And you you are, you are crying because your latte wasn't done correctly, yeah. lady? Yep. Get your entire life together. I love that. La- I love laughing at people. I love it. I love laughing at people. I love telling them when they're doing something that's dumb. Yep. And I love telling people no. Yep. <laughs> all the time you gotta because you gotta have thick skin they want us to have thick skin but y'all don't have no thick skin and so this is what happened you have thick skin you laugh at fucked up shit yep i remember one time we were like la- i mean I, I i'll admit it like it was me and a bunch of comics and we were laughing about like a an alleged sexual assault because we were like can you imagine can you imagine that happened like that's bananas and then it turned into like you know since i'm a tall woman in the circumstances they were like that that couldn't happen to chloe and it just became i mean when you hear me say it now you're like damn that's fucked up but for no. 15 minutes it was all jokes yeah. nothing was off limits and sometimes you have to push that envelope because it does toughen your skin so when fucked up shit really does happen you know how to handle it or else you'll be sitting in the corner crying yep they want to break you and they want you to be sad and it's like that's all i got left it's my personality my perseverance yeah. and Please. my ability to to withstand and fight and laugh another day so try it you gotta write that you gotta write that letter Oh, God. especially now in this time that we in you got it like you can't have somebody poli- policing you yeah you are you are having an organic moment watching a movie that you pay for and this person wants to police you so yeah what about ruining the experience for other movie goers? what how, how was that ruining the experience why is my laughing at something that i find funny of an offense to you we all pay the same money to be here it's crazy yeah. And there was a scene, there was one scene where the lead character finally gets paid back because he was getting bullied and picked on the whole entire movie. Mm-hmm. So finally, by the time he's in high school, he gets beat up real, real bad. And he comes back the next day and you just see him storming into the classroom. We're all on the edge of our seat. Like what he about to do? Yeah. What he about to do? And I'm like, he about to, he about to shoot some shit up. He about, <laughs> right. So he comes in, he walks in the door, he sits down in his seat. And then picks up the, the the seat and then hits the dude that bullied yeah. him right over the head. All of us erupted into an applause break. Yeah. And when I tell you those white people were so horrified, it was the craziest thing to me. You did we were we not watching the same <laughs> movie? Did y'all not see for the last forty five minutes this little boy get beat? kicked spat on called a faggot gay all of this stuff to the point where his bones and shit are broken his eyes are closed and when he comes back in and throws a chair i can't applaud i'm the barbarian so and what did they so what did they um, and he was writing about that he was like and at that point people were applauding and then people wrote in were like yeah i experienced that in my theater too like some african-americans there were applauding and it was like he didn't mention in his in his article he didn't mention that we were black but some of the people that were writing in were like yeah i saw it and there were black people in my theater and they were reacting to some of the same way as the nameless people that you described in this theater were and they were so shocked that we applauded the dude's retaliation when it's like this is what y'all do yeah like i'm sorry like what no, how are we wrong? This, this is so crazy. You have to write. It's this so letter. crazy that they write a movie to humanize this dude, and you want to sit here and be like, you know, as a gay guy, I watched this and it spoke to me, but you can't understand why he popped off. But now you want to protest Trump? Yeah, like come on, because because girl, because when it comes to black people, they believe that our pain tolerance is so, so much high. greater. Yep. Which, I mean, you know, there's articles where, like, it's proven that black people are treated differently because people have this myth that we can just withstand more pain, mm-hmm. even in the medical field. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go to the hospital and a doctor's like, on a level one to ten, what's your pain? If a white woman says seven, they give her, like, extra strong morphine. Mm-hmm. If a black woman says seven, they be like, here's some baby aspirin. Mm-hmm. And so they want, they know that, and it's our, I think it's our fault to a point because we are, we've been so good at showing our strength that when we show weakness, people still think that we should be strong. They don't allow us to have moments of vulnerability because they'd be like, shake it off. What's your problem? Why? So they, I guess they thought that this kid was supposed to just keep taking these ass whoopings 
and then become a poet. I don't know what the fuck the yeah, book is supposed to be. I have no idea. No, you, sometimes you need to get punched in your motherfucking face. Yep, and be alright with it because mm-hmm. you earned it. Yep. Oh, I can't wait for the revolution. Girl, me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm back in the gym, bitch. I'm training. Only the strong survive. Shoot, I got to get these muscles together. I know. I was talking about survival packing last night. <laughs> I got to get me a little kit, a little book bag. Yeah. What would you put in it? Oh, well, there's some ba- there's some book bags that are already pre- pre-packed. So my friend's like, you can get one on Amazon, but it has like the, like the basic stuff. But I want to go to like a survival store store and get like a bunch of stuff that I just need to have. And I'll keep one in. I'll have one in my house and one in my car. I'll probably give one to my parents. Even what though, do you think is about to happen? Like, I don't know. Just I don't know. Just in case. I mean, but you know what's so crazy? I'm not even saying like on some like civil unrest warfare social shit. I'm just talking about like we've been. We're from New York City, so we went through 9 11. We mm-hmm. went through the blackout. I was about to say the blackout. Yeah. So like we like so we, there were times where we were not. I wasn't prepared for those things. Right. You know. So like it could be a natural disaster. It could be a blackout. It could be people shooting up in the street but whatever it is if i need to be held up in my house i need to be prepared you know and i think i have like one flashlight right now i need to get the water I like filter i like the way you, you know? think you let me know what you get i'm gonna go get me we a couple probably, of the same we, things shit, we should probably do a group trip and go and get some we survival should. stuff take I wonder people if it's a black owned survival store and then, I don't know. <laughs> we gotta go to the hood. It's just gonna be guns and drugs. Like, look. No, it's gonna, it's gonna be a bunch of unks in the in the wind mirror. <laughs> some black, bu- yeah, some black soul. Cyrus is gonna be over the top. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. Carrie, where can people follow you at? People can follow me at overfab o v e r f a b on. Are you gonna change Twitter and Instagram? No, you're never gonna change it. No, I had that discussion before I decided <laughs> to really take things. I was like, that's going to be it. Because nobody don't know how to spell Carrie or caught it. People don't they know don't, how to spell Carrie? No, no, they don't. They call me Carrie from Sex and the City or they give me Carrie like Carrie Hilson when actually it's Carrie like Carrie Washington. Think- and no one knows what a cotta is. It's ridiculous. Like, see, it's just too much. Overfab. Okay. Short for overly fabulous. It's short. I'm the only one that exists. If you mm-hmm. type in overfab, you'll find me. And yeah. you'll see my real name. Yeah. And then you can find me on my website, carrycottit.com. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I had so much fun. Was it good? Was it good? It was good, Chloe Hillier. Thank you. Had a great time. Uh, everybody go check out Carrie Cottage. She's also on Joking Off MTV all the time. You're on a bunch of different shows, so check her out. She's everywhere. Um, and if you meet her, she probably won't know your name, but now she knows how to find it out. Yes, now I have that tip. Thank you. you. Survival tactics. I'm here to help people socially and, you know, good. <laughs>